Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So, you know, he knew his brothers were very good at lying. They were actually very good at lying. And he wanted to find out the truth about what happened to Benjamin. So he knows that, well, there's one way to find out. I'll play the role of the rough judge. So he's got a better chance of getting the truth out of them, and so that's what he's doing. So that's one reason. And also, he's helping to bring his brothers to repentance because his goal is to bring his brothers to a full perception, a full understanding, a full consciousness of their guilt so they could be relieved of their sin because there's no relief until there first comes a consciousness of guilt and then a confession of sin and then a forsaking of sin. As it says in Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Now we read an overview of the scene in verse eight. Joseph knew his brethren, they knew him not. How old was Joseph when they last saw him? He's about 17 years old. How old is Joseph now? He's about 33, about 33. So how many years is that? You think he's 40? Oh, that's right, because I forgot about the years of plenty. Okay, so they last saw him when he's 17, and now he's 40. Does a person change a lot from when they're 17 to 40? (laughs) They change a lot. (laughs) Okay, he's grown up. He's 40 years old. He's an old man, practically. But no, not really. But he's different. He's grown up. He looks and he speaks like an Egyptian, and he has an interpreter that he uses. I don't know how that interpreter knew Hebrew. Probably he taught him Hebrew. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, but when we read this summary in verse 8, that Joseph knew his brethren, they didn't know him. Does that remind you of some summary <laughs> in John, John 1.10 maybe? Like I, I quoted a little earlier, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. See, that's the Lord Jesus. He was in the world. The world was a creator. He's a creator of the world, and the world doesn't recognize him. Here they are, standing in front of the ruler. He knows them. They don't know him. Now, when Joseph saw his brothers bow down to him, then it says in verse 9, he remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. Boy, that's something. He's there bowing down to him, and he's remembering that his sheaf arose, and uh, their sheaves came around his sheaf and bowed down. He's remembering the sun, the moon, the stars, the 11 stars bowing down to him. Those are the big beholds in Genesis 37, verse 7, Genesis 37, 7, and Genesis 37, 9, 37, 9. And he remembers all that. It's been a long time 
So it's been a long time since that's happened. And now they're bowing down to him. And now, as part of the rough talk, as part of the rough talk, he now makes a very serious accusation when he said to them in verse 9, you are spies to see the nakedness of the land, land are you come. That's a very serious accusation. Spies were very common in those days. Remember, Moses and Joshua, they sent out spies before they conquered a city. Why? So that they could devise a battle plan by taking into account, is the city or where is, is the city or where is the city fortified and protected? And where are the most vulnerable parts of the city? Where are they? And that's how Moses and Joshua, that's how they devised their attack plan their best routes of attack, based on the spies' reports. And in those days, if any foreigner was caught drawing the city, that was the end of that foreigner, he was assumed to be a spy, and the penalty was death. And so this is a very serious accusation that he's made. Now, why do you think Joseph called them spies? Let me put it this way. Can you think of any time when the brothers called Joseph a spy? Yeah, in Genesis 37 two, Genesis 37 two, it says that he was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, Joseph was his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. So here he is, he's a young guy, and he's with his brothers, and his brothers were up to some evil, we're not told what it was, But Joseph immediately goes and tells his father. So Joseph is labeled by his brothers as a spy. He's a spy. They they probably said to him, you are a spy. I don't know what nakedness they would have saw, but anyway, he was a spy. And then later, when Jacob's sons were, you know, about this hundred miles away, feeding the flocks in Shechem, and Shechem was a place where they murdered all the men. That was a big evil. And then Jacob starts to worry about his back home, Jacob starts to worry about his sons. And so he sends his chief spy out, <laughs> Joseph. And he says to them in a spy mission in Genesis 37, 13, 14, says, Israel said unto Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come and I will send thee unto them. And he said unto him, here am I. He said unto him, go I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with thy flocks and bring me word again. That's a spy. You know? So he sends him out. So again, Joseph arrives to his brothers from the pit, and they not only saw him as a dreamer that was coming to them, they saw him as dad's spy. It's Father's Day. Dad's spy. So that's how the brothers viewed Joseph, as a spy. And so Joseph knew firsthand the terror of being accused of being a spy. Well, now the tables are turned. Now the tables are turned, and Joseph is now accusing them of being a spy. Whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. Now the brothers were now shocked to hear that they're being accused of being a spy, and they strongly protest with the words of verse 10. They said unto him, Nay, my Lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. Now that's really something. When you see the brothers call Joseph my Lord, my Lord, that's quite a change for these brothers, right? Because remember what they'd said in Genesis 37, 19, 37, 19, they said one to another, behold, this dreamer cometh. Now, Joseph must have just paused then 
when he heard them call my Lord and thought to himself, that's the first time I've ever heard my brothers call me my Lord. <laughs> I mean, Joseph, he was the one that they had despised and rejected, and now they're bowing before him and calling him my Lord. That is a scene. That is a picture of what every person who has despised and rejected the Lord Jesus Christ is gonna do. As it says in Philippians 2.9, Philippians 2.9, Philippians 2.9, wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. The name of Jesus, every knee should bow, things of heaven and earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. He's Lord, that means God, that Jesus is God to the glory of God the Father. See, Isaiah 45, 22, Isaiah 45, 22 is a very, very familiar verse. We've quoted it many times. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. But let me just read to you the verses after it in verse 23 of Isaiah 45, 23, Isaiah 45, 23. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. And then it says in the next verse, even to him shall men come and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. And that's what we see happening here. That's gonna, what's gonna happen with all those who are incensed with the idea of Jesus as God, Jesus as Messiah, Jesus as Savior. They will all bow the knee to him and confess that he is God. Like that man in, in the Philippines when I was there who said, I'd rather go to hell than to say that Jesus is God. I hope God doesn't give him his wish. That's exactly the picture that we have here. Joseph's brethren were incensed against Joseph. And now in verses 6 and 10, verses 6 and 10, they're bowing their knee to Joseph and they're calling him Lord. Now Joseph's brother tell him, Joseph's brothers tell Joseph why they came. In verse 10, nay, my Lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. So they tell Joseph that they have come to buy food because they're hungry and they're not eating. And Joseph in Egypt, they have food and they're eating. Now that scene of Joseph having food and eating and Joseph's brothers not having food and not eating does that remind you of a reverse picture in the past? Yeah, that was it. In Genesis 37, 24, Genesis 37, 24, it says that they took him and cast him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. There was also no food in it. And they sat down to eat bread. So at that time, Joseph was hungry when his brothers had the food. They held the food and they were eating. And now all these years later, his brothers are hungry and Joseph holds the food. And that's an illustration again of Galatians 6, 7. Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. See, that's an illustration of the word that again. And this truth of the that was also stated by Abraham to the rich man who died and opened his eyes in hell. In Luke 16, 19, Luke 16, 19, where we read there was a certain man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar 
named Lazarus, who was laid at the gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his wounds. And it came to pass that the beggar died, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil, but now he's comforted, and thou art tormented. See, this is what the Lord Jesus was expressing here. This is the same idea when he said in, in Matthew 7, 2, Matthew 7, 2, with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, or you measure, it shall be measured to you again. Now, the brothers now are justifying themselves in verse 11 when they say, verse 11, we are all one man's sons. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. Can you imagine Joseph when he hears these words, we are true men? (laughs) He probably fell off his throne. We are true men. It's amazing that the brothers are saying there, we are true men. After tearing Joseph's coat, dipping it in goat blood to deceive their father into thinking that Joseph was killed by a wild animal. After selling Joseph as a slave and telling his father, we don't know what happened to Joseph. And now they're sitting there saying, we are true men. It's shocking. It's shocking. That's a picture of the human heart. That's a picture of the human heart. That's a picture of your heart and my heart. That's a picture of our heart. As it says in Jeremiah 17, 9. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? As the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. As God said in Genesis 6, 5, God saw, Genesis 6, 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. When they said we are true men, it reminds me, I was talking to another child at the Del Mar Fair in this child evangelism booth, who in essence said the same thing. When I asked the little child, I said, have you ever lied? And the child said, no. And I said, well, you just did. (laughs) You just told another lie when you told me you never lied. Because the truth about man is in Psalm 51.5, Psalm 51.5, behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And in Job 15.16, Job 15.16 He said, how much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water? That description, the abominable, filthy part, that's pretty much saying DRS, dirty, rotten sinner, which reminds me of another boy. They came into the CEF booth with his mother and who sat next to him. And when I said to him, have you ever lied? You should have seen it. Have you ever lied? He didn't answer. He just shrugged his shoulders and looked at his mom, you know, as like, how does he know? <laughs> and I asked him, you ever talk back to your parents? He did the same thing. <laughs> Look over there. Joseph now is increasing the pressure because Joseph, he wants the true information about what happened to Benjamin and his father. So he says in verse 12, nay, but to see the nakedness of the land are you come. 
And finally, under this pressure now of being accused of spies, Joseph gets the information he's looking looking for about Benjamin and his father in verse 13, when they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. Behold, the youngest is this day with our father. Oh, that's what he was wanting to know. And one is not. See, that intense interrogation finally made them say, Behold, the youngest this day with our father. So he knows Benjamin's alive, and he knows that his father's alive, and he knows that Benjamin is okay. This is very emotional for Joseph. I'm amazed that he's held it together up to this point. I mean, hearing his brothers say they're true men, (laughs) learning that they haven't gotten rid of Benjamin like they got rid of him, learning that his father is still alive. But now something is really hitting. This is very, very, this is like over the top in verse 13, when they say one is not. That had to be over the top. If you were Joseph, how would that make you feel when they're referring to you and they're saying one is not. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you'd be looking very carefully. You're referring to like a total stranger. I mean, there's no remorse. There's no remorse here. There's maybe, of course, you wouldn't really expect them to confess to say, yeah, we're criminals. We sold our brother into Egypt. But it's just interesting that Joseph at that point, he doesn't probe them to, what do you mean one is not? You know, like, uh, tell me about this one that's not. He, he doesn't do that. He, he really got the information he wanted. He wasn't drilling on himself. He knew what happened to him. <laughs> but he didn't know what happened to Benjamin and his father. So now maybe Joseph, this part, will stop the pressure and say who he is. But that's not what he does. In verse 14, Joseph said unto them, that is it that I spoke unto your spies. This is the third time that Joseph has accused them of being spies. And, you know, Joseph's kind of like, uh, he's like chemotherapy, you know, you bring it to the edge of death and back off, you know. So he sort of brought him to the edge of death here. Now he's, he's saying, boy, he's in danger. You know, they're going to be crushed here. So he gives them a little bit of hope that maybe they won't be executed as spies in verse 15, verse 15. Hereby you shall be proved by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go hence, except your younger brother come hither. So now, but he's keeping up the charade. He's keeping up the mask here when he says, by the life of Pharaoh, uh, by the life of Pharaoh. No son of Abraham would ever say, by the life of Pharaoh. You know, but by God, he would say, but not by life of Pharaoh. So he's really appearing to be an Egyptian. And he tells them that if they can produce their younger son, Benjamin, that they won't be executed. So Joseph now says that one of the brothers should go back and bring Benjamin in order to prove they weren't spies and escape this execution. So he says in verse 16, verse 16, send one of you, let him fetch your brother. You shall be kept in prison that your words may be proved whether there be any truth in you or no. Else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So Joseph affirms again by the life of Pharaoh, but before he sends one back to get Benjamin, we read something very interesting in verse 17 where it says he put them all together into ward three days. Joseph put them all together in the prison. Now, remember where the prisons were in Egypt? Remember that? They were under the ground. They were under the ground. Now, does that remind you of something? (laughs) Does that remind you of Genesis 37, 24, 37, 24? They took him and cast him into a pit. They cast him into a pit. So what do we got here? Pit for pit, right? Joseph's brothers had cast Joseph into a pit, and now Joseph casts his brothers 
into a pit, the prison underground, for three days. What do you think was happening during those three days? What do you think was happening with Joseph? What do you think was happening with the brothers? What do you think Joseph was doing those three days? Yeah, he's doing that, but he's also thinking, what am I going to do next? <laughs> it's like, okay, we've done this spy, and now we're going to... But this gives him a little bit of time to reflect a little bit, because this has been a lot to process in one encounter. So this gives him some time, with some time for him to put it all together, and this is the time for him to reflect. What were they doing? Well, <laughs> we'll read about that a little bit later, but they're like, you know... They're, <laughs> they're, well, first of all, they're looking at each other. Reuben has got some words, you know. And they're, they're coming to the realization of their perception of their guilt. They're coming to the perception of their guilt. How many days did he put them underground? Three days. How many days was the Lord Jesus Christ in the tomb before the resurrection? Three days. So after three days, the Lord Jesus Christ is resurrected from death to life, and we follow him through that resurrection to the resurrection of life. And during these three days of being in the underground prison there, in the tomb, the, the prison tomb, the pit, these brothers are coming to repent, as we're going to see. So after three days, these brothers will be resurrected out from the pit. And on the third day when they're resurrected out from the pit, Joseph is going to say to them in verse 18, in verse 18, Joseph said unto them the third day, this do and live. Well, that's the first time they've heard that word, live, for I fear God. Now, he says to them as they emerge out of this pit, this do and live. This is a bright ray of hope for them, for these brothers who have just spent three days in the underground prison of death. Now, Joseph says something that must have really surprised them when he said, I fear God. I fear Elohim. And this is actually very leading for these brothers because what he's trying to say to them, what Joseph is trying to say to them, I fear God. You need to fear God. I'm in a very high position, the highest position here in Egypt, but I'm under restraint. And I don't do what I just, what I want to do. I fear God. And you're not in my position, but you need to do the same thing. You need to do the same thing. So he's saying to them, although I have a very high position in Egypt, I fear God. You need to fear God. That's all by design. All by design to bring the brothers to the conclusion they needed to fear God in order to be saved from their sins. And the confession that they're making among themselves, like I always tell the kids during the CEF booth, when I say, okay, did you lie? And they, you know, most all of them say yes, and the other things. Then I say, okay, now, you just all told me that. You all told me that you're a sinner. You all told me that you sinned. You all told me that you lied. Now we need to take time, and you need to tell the same thing to God. Tell God you're a sinner. The brothers down here, they're discussing themselves that, whoa, we're guilty. And so when Joseph says, I fear God, he's saying essentially the same thing, that now what you are coming to the realization of among yourselves that you're guilty, you need to tell that to God. I fear God. That's the way of salvation. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Joseph, for his life of total dedication and devotion to you. And we thank you, Lord, for recording all this for us so that we can see so clearly the way that you save men from their sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages 
can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Christmas Under the Stars is back at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Christmas Under the Stars is a free family Christmas program on Saturday, December 9th from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. Enjoy a live nativity, Christmas carolers, cookie decorating, ornament design, games, rides, petting zoos, and a dinosaur garden of lights. Family Christmas photos, holiday fair food, and astronomer star viewing and presentation by astronomer Spike Saras. And a Christmas message by Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor and Free Creation Museum admission on Saturday, December 9th from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. For more information about Christmas Under the Stars and Dinosaurs at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, on Saturday, December 9th from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m., call us at 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or visit the Creation Museum online at creationsd.org. That's creationsd.org.